Welcome to Planet Surgery, a medical podcast by Baxter Advanced Surgery Team. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Planet Surgery podcast series. This is insights to the world of surgeons, surgery, and perioperative practitioners across Europe. My name is Per Wenberg, and I am the medical science liaison for Advanced Surgery Nordics at Baxter. Today, I will have the pleasure to interview Dr. Katarina Bjerses uh, at Baxter. Our vision is to be a global innovative leader in the operating room, providing solutions that improve patient outcomes and enhance lives. Uh, Baxter's program uh, is a new way, uh, the podcast program is a new way for you to hear from colleagues across the world. In this episode, uh, Dr. Björsis from the Vascular Center Skåne University Hospital in Sweden will share her experience on vascular surgery and the challenges she faces. Welcome, Dr. Björsis. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, you and your colleagues uh, perform your surgery on patients that uh, uh, have many comorbidities and very often are on antiplatelet or anticoagulation therapy. What type of procedures uh, are the most common at your clinic and what uh, do your typical patients look like? All right, if you start with our typical patients, they are uh, old, um, the uh, mean age is about 70 years and they suffer from advanced uh, atherosclerosis disease. They are usually uh, have uh, heart surgery, coronary interventions in the background. They are quite often diabetic and have renal uh, impairment. Um, the most common procedures we do is uh, due to limb or extremity atherosclerosis. So we treat the patient with critical limb ischemia or claudicans. Uh, we also do aortic procedures for aneurysms and dissections in, in uh, the aorta. Uh, we do carotid surgery. We remove arteriosclerotic plaques in the carotid bifurcation to prevent uh, uh, patients from stroke. Um, we have some uh, deep venous interventions, uh, local thrombolysis and the stenting of deep, uh, deep veins like iliac veins. And we do some other stuff like renal stenting, uh, visceral stenting and so on. Great. That's really interesting. Uh, can you elaborate on where we stand now in vascular surgery and what are the most recent developments and challenges faced today in this field? Well, um, in the last decades, uh, there's been an enormous development of, of uh, material for minimal invasive surgery that is uh, in vascular surgery, that is endovascular surgery, uh, which means that we are um, doing procedures inside the blood vessels um, uh, with catheters and, uh, and uh, balloons and stents. And uh, the material development there has been enormous. Uh, which uh, has improved our uh, our uh, possibilities to treat our older and sick patients because we can do it in local anesthesia. Also, the best medical treatment has improved enormously uh, with statins and uh, better anticoagulants, uh, the uh, oral anticoagulants that, that has been developed, and also platelet inhibitors has uh, have uh, improved 
uh, enormously. So uh, we can actually treat uh, more patients, older patients, and sicker patients. And uh, now we have uh, um, now we have the problems or uh, problem and problem. We have to to choose which patients we actually should treat and which patients that we should not treat. And that is the the uh, um, uh, interesting uh, and uh, sort of tricky bit today to find the right patients to treat. This sounds uh, really challenging. And uh, in uh, many fields of uh, surgery, entry thrombosis uh, therapy are discontinued uh, preoperative uh, in order to manage bleeding issues during surgery. But at your clinic, you prefer to leave the patients on their anti thrombosis therapy throughout surgery. Uh, could you please elaborate uh, uh, what is the benefit for the patient and, and do you see any risk of doing it this way? Uh, well, yes, we, we do uh, take out some oral anticoagulants, but we leave platelet inhibitors um, and we don't hesitate to, to treat patients with double platelet inhibitors, which is in our word, uh, uh, acetylic acid and clopidogrel. Um, we are more afraid of thrombosis in our reconstructions than actually bleeding in the operating field. Um, and to have the patients on platelet inhibitors or, and, and uh, low molecular weight heparin um, makes it uh, the patency our, our, for our reconstructions is better uh, and um, it prevents uh, all the, all the uh, stents and stent crafts uh, for thrombosis. Uh, our the, the the usual vascular problem is to to keep the reconstruction open and uh, and uh, the bleeding problem is is less actually if you compare to thoracic surgery for example where where the reconstructions are bound to have more volume and higher pressure and we we work in the periphery and uh, we have uh, less volume in our reconstructions and and they are further away from the heart uh, so we need need these medications for for open reconstructions that is interesting, and some ways maybe uh, specialties could learn things from each other in the future. I think so. Most general surgeons are quite uh, hesitant to to do surgery with uh, platelet inhibitors, and uh, I don't think, uh, in our experience, that is uh, platelet inhibitors uh, doesn't really uh, harm our patients uh, intraoperatively. Interesting. And uh, what would you say, uh, if there, are there any typical pitfalls uh, in vascular surgery and uh, what is the most common complications that uh, surgeons are confronted with? Apart from thrombosis then, which is uh, our uh, most frightening complication, it is uh, infections and uh, infections could be due to, due to wound hematomas. So even if there are small hematomas that doesn't need to, to be corrected surgically, it could be they could be a, a sort of a growth for, for bacteria and infections. Um, and some hematomas are dangerous, like hematomas in the neck after carotid surgeries. So they are we are afraid of, of neck hematomas, obviously. But otherwise, hematomas are are uh, uh, we are afraid for, for for hematomas for infection. That is, uh, infections are, are the most uh, uh, dangerous uh, things for our patients uh, after uh, surgery, actually. Like in, in most surgery, I guess, but uh, uh, some places it's, it's worse, I guess. Oh, yes, especially so if our grafts are getting infected, that is, that is a huge problem.
Yes, absolutely. So even the smallest hematoma, a wound hematoma, could that lead to difficult complications? I guess. Yes, it could. Mm. Uh, if we talk a little bit about uh, basically larger bleedings, what what uh, transfusion rates uh, do you see, and how do you handle these? Uh, well, uh, if, we, if we talk about emergent settings, uh, for example, aneurysm ruptures and, and trauma, uh, we use the 441 for uh, erythrocytes, for plasma, and one uh, platelet, and that, that is the standard transfusion, transfusion schemes that usually our anesthesiologists handle. Uh, again, we do a lot of, of uh, uh, minimal invasive interventions, so we trans bleeding is not really a, a large problem for us, and we try to keep our patient for, for uh, HB over 100. Uh, we have some patients with uh, large aortic re reconstructions that are, are in risk zone for spinal ischemia. Uh, then those patients will like HB over 110. Um, but usually, uh, thank God, transfusion is not a large problem in our field at the moment. Yeah, sounds good. And then uh, a topic that uh, cannot be avoided in these uh, settings, uh, the pandemic uh, that has impacted most of uh, healthcare the last year. Uh, do you have had any uh, special challenges uh, related to COVID-19? Well, we have, uh, because COVID-19 uh, patients, uh, they are quite thrombogenic, and that is a known complication for the infection. And we've seen a few patients with a limb ischemia due to arterial thrombosis due to the infection. Uh, we have uh, treated some of them with local thrombolysis and uh, sadly enough, some of the patients have been too ill in pulmonary uh, affection of the infection, so they have been uh, amputated as primary treatment. If we look nationally, we thought we will see a decline in, in vascular procedures, but we haven't. Uh, we have produced as much uh, vascular procedures uh, 2020 as the previous years. But also um, the most patients, uh, the most uh, infected patients in Sweden has been in November till March. So um, I think we will see a decline in 2020. Uh, we haven't seen in, 20, in 2021. In 2020, we haven't seen uh, any increase in acute ischemia nationally, uh, which uh, we expected, but maybe we will see it in 2021. And this is also interesting. It uh, shows that your field is a bit different when you compare uh, nationwide on, on all specialties as uh, planned surgery has uh, been cut by, well, basically more or less 30%. Uh, yeah. Some places more and some places, yes, but. Yes, uh, definitely. And I also think that the uh, field of internal medicine has been uh, seen more complications with pulmonary embolisms and venous uh, thrombosis due to the infection. Yeah, that's one of the ugly faces of this disease, isn't it? It is. So to conclude, what future avenues do you think needs to be explored in order to improve vascular surgery? Oh, that, that was a nice question, <laughs> easy question. Uh, again, we have a, an enormous um, development of material. Um, so um, in my opinion, we, we uh, I think we should, uh, should uh, put our site in biology. Uh, 
try to get the material less uh, thrombogenic in the inside of the blood vessel. So, uh, so uh, the, uh, try to coat the material with anti-thrombotic and uh, anti-platelet, uh, some, some kind of agent that, that will uh, make it easier for, for the reconstructions to be open. Uh, also, uh, all the things that you put into inside a blood vessel stays there just uh, because of mechanical uh, forces. So if you put a stent or stent graft in a blood vessel, it stays there because you have to you have a sized size the device to be there by mechanical forces and it would be interesting to find something uh, that will actually make the thing to heal into the vessel uh, so we wanted to heal on the outside of the of the sort of device and to be anti-thrombotic on the inside of the device and that is a challenge really yeah well that sounds uh, really interesting for the future and we can say that the glove has been thrown so come on <laughs> R&D developers across the world. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Get into the biology. Yes. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, thank you very much for this uh, very nice conversation, Dr. Bioses, and these valuable insights on your daily challenges in surgery. I'm sure your colleagues will benefit from your insights. And thank you very much to the audience for listening. And don't forget to come back in two weeks to listen to our next episode. Please contact us uh, for any feedback or question. And if you want to be our next speaker, please click on the contact us button on the uh, Planet Surgery website. <laughs>